informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're having a good day. Coming up on our program today, we're going to talk with the president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan Hallstrom will be joining us. We'll talk about that U.S.-South Korea free trade deal and look at some of the other trade issues around the world and how it's impacting our sales of red meat into various markets around the world, of course, and we'll talk about this in just a few moments. But... Uh, The big news today, of course, is that uh, the administration is saying we're going to be talking with Japan about a possible free trade deal. That would certainly be very positive for agriculture. So we'll talk about that in a moment. We're going to talk markets today with Jerry Goodell. He's with the Price Futures Group. And also we're going to get a harvest update uh, from the state of Missouri, the St. Joseph, Missouri area. Gene Millard will be joining us a little bit later on uh, for a harvest update. I am in northern Illinois, Batavia, Illinois, today, working with Max Armstrong for This Week in Agribusiness that uh, will be on this weekend. Uh, but joined now by Chris Clayton with DTN. Chris, thanks for joining us. I mentioned the, uh, the um, possibility of a trade deal with Japan, uh, just an announcement about talks, but uh, that is something that's been long awaited and would be certainly welcome news. So uh, while it's a long ways from being a done deal, it's certainly something that gets people's attention. Uh, it is, and, uh, you know, a lot of groups um, issued statements uh, supporting that uh, the other, uh, yesterday and this morning. Um, you know, Japan is, uh, takes up about 20% of our corn for exports and, uh, you know, 33% of our beef exports. So there's a lot of commodities and uh, already 12% of wheat, et cetera, from, in 2017. So, uh, you know, there's just a lot of commodities that already have big exports over there. But we're a little bit disadvantaged because now other countries have trade deals uh, with Japan that have lower tariff rates. Uh, beef is a prime example with uh Australia's tariffs is uh, significantly lower than the U.S. beef. So, well, they always say there's hope as long as uh, both sides are talking. But as we have seen with uh, whether it's China or in NAFTA, especially with Canada, there can be a lot of talking and no deal. So we're a long ways uh, probably away from getting something uh, actually finalized. Let's talk about these other issues. Canada. Uh, doesn't sound like we're any closer to them coming into NAFTA based on what we're hearing. Now, this is uh, going to become really complicated pretty quickly because um, the uh, White House, the Trump administration, is looking to maybe forward the um, um, trade deal with Mexico to Congress uh, tomorrow, trying to meet, you know, what basically is really kind of an arbitrary deadline. Um, at least uh, we'll get to see some details on uh, on the Mexico uh, deal. But trying to do that without Canada, and, and most lawmakers understand, you know, Canada is even a bigger trading partner than uh, Mexico. So they're going to push back and want to see a deal done uh, done with the, with Canada. Yeah, dairy, of course, a big sticking point there. Tomorrow we're going to talk with former Ag Secretary, now President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, Tom Vilsack, to get his thoughts on that. But you mentioned tomorrow 
Uh, Chris, it looks like we'll finally get some uh, insight into the U.S.-Mexico deal. Uh, I think about everyone just assuming for agriculture it's going to be good or, you know, something like what we've had, but we really don't know what those details are yet. No, we don't. I, I think it is going to be very similar. Uh, you know, we already had zero tariffs going into Mexico for most of our products. Uh, can't get much better than that. I'll be one commodity to watch that uh, you might see maybe some change on might be uh, like potatoes. Uh, they've had they have restrictions on uh, raw potatoes uh, and products like that going into Mexico. Maybe we can get a change there. Um, so, but for most uh, commodities, that, you know, right now the biggest issue is hopefully Mexico would uh, lift the tariffs that have been placed on our ag products because of the tariffs that we placed on uh, steel products from Mexico. So maybe once we get uh, this trade deal done, at least these uh, tariffs may go away. Yeah, as we've said this before, but in the case with Mexico, if we just get back to where we were, that would make it a pretty good deal. Yeah, you know, that uh, would be really important. And, And this is kind of the issue of, you know, moving forward with something with Mex- with uh, Japan, uh, we really need to get things done with uh, Mexico and Canada. Um, of course, now things seem to be continuing to get ratcheted up between us and China. And uh, that's, you know, depending on the year, the first or second biggest market for a lot of commodities. Um, and it really appears that this is going to become a long-term grinding battle between uh, the U.S. and China right now. Yeah, both sides have really dug in, and it looks like it will go quite some time. We're talking with DTN's uh, Chris Clayton. Chris, meanwhile, talk about dug in and at an impasse. That seems to be where we're at on the farm bill. Uh, you know, I think mainly it's they just don't have enough time to get everything done. Um, you know, there are a lot of details and uh, in big picture items that need to be negotiated. Uh, there's conflicts still over the issues involving SNAP, and um, it just takes a little bit more time than they really they had. Um, it looks like now pretty convinced and understood this is going to go into the uh, lame duck session because everybody now is trying to fight for their seat, so they really want to go home and spend most of October uh, campaigning. Um, so that's going to push the farm bill into the lame duck session. Um, and I, I think there's this pushback that, you know, what happens if Democrats actually gain one of the chambers? Um, I'm still pretty iffy whether that's going to occur, but I don't think that would still, you know, negatively impact the farm bill getting done in lame duck session. The problem here, you know, it, it's interesting here. We have this big situation with uh, all these trade uh, deals, and now we're stuck when it comes to funding for the programs that do trade promotion, FMD and MAP. Uh, if you don't get a farm bill extended, uh, you don't get a new farm bill done, those programs are basically on the shelf until you get something completed. So we're trying to get all this trade situation dealt with, and the big programs that can help uh, farmers and all these commodity groups go out and sell stuff in other places are, are basically going to be on hold until at least maybe January when the USDA will release those uh, funds for the uh, uh, the trade aid programs. So we'll wait and see, but it sure doesn't look like, barring some miracle here at the last second, uh, we're not going to see anything on the farm bill for a while yet. Chris, always good to talk with you. Thanks for being with us. 
Thanks a lot, Mike. All right, Chris Clayton with DTN. Again, uh, Senate Ag Committee Chair Pat Roberts saying he hopes negotiators will make enough progress to vote on a final farm bill the first week after the election. And so that uh, we're talking about into that lame duck session. Meanwhile, Colin Peterson, ranking member of the House Ag Committee, says he's not interested in writing a new farm bill, even if Democrats do get the House majority back. Uh, he says, I want it done now. And Roberts wants it done now. We're not the ones that are holding this up. So we'll just uh, wait and see. They continue to talk, but it looks like it's going to be a while before we have any uh, real action on the farm bill. Coming up next, we're going to talk about that U.S.-South Korea free trade deal, as well as what's going on with NAFTA and other markets around the world for our meat products. We'll talk with the president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. That's next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. When it comes to squeezing the most fuel efficiency out of every gallon of diesel fuel, there's nothing better than Diesel X Gold from FS. Modern engines are designed with more power while preventing harmful emissions. Diesel X Gold keeps them operating that way with its advanced detergent chemistry that keeps injectors operating like new and its healthy dose of cetane improver that makes sure engines start quickly and combust fuel more completely. So count on Diesel X Gold from FS. Absolutely the best fuel to power and protect diesel engines. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment 
equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, lots of trade news to talk about. Uh, A positive has been uh, the new U.S.-South Korea trade deal, which is for agriculture much the same as it was with the old deal, but uh, just reassuring the fact that it got done with no harm done to agriculture. Let's talk about that with the president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, Dan Hallstrom. Dan, thanks for joining us, and I guess uh, going back to what many ag groups have said in a lot of these trade negotiations, do no harm, that's what we saw with the, the, the new, so to speak, U.S.-South Korea trade deal. Yeah, good morning, Mike. Thank you. Uh, yes, couldn't agree more. Um, the chorus agreement uh, 2.0, so to speak, uh, is very uh, welcome news. Um, as it relates to beef and pork, um, one of our largest markets and probably the fastest growing market this year. Um, we, we set a record last year on beef at $1.2 billion in sales to Korea, and, and this year we're, we're up 50, over 50%. We're almost at a billion dollars through seven months, so it's dramatic growth. Uh, pork, uh, similar trend lines, a uh, smaller market for pork, uh, a little under half a, uh, a little under five hundred million dollars in sales last year, but we're up fifty percent on that. So, you know, we need these sorts of markets, and, and there's a lot of things, a lot of good things happening in Korea and a lot of different fronts. And the good news today is that, that we're hearing about the U.S. and Japan going to have talks on a free trade agreement that would be huge too wouldn't it yeah most definitely this this is our uh, uh, right along with nafta the, the, this is a, another big big area of focus for for us uh, here at mef and, and and the industry in general our largest value market uh, for beef and pork um and uh you know we're looking at between beef and pork total 3.5 billion in sales uh uh, last year, and, and we're up in both this year. So uh, very much uh, needs to be a focus because, as, as you know, uh, and your listeners, I'm sure, know, we, we are at a disadvantage vis-a-vis some of our major competitors. So, you know, Australia on beef and Europe on pork in particular. So uh, getting the process started to get on a level playing field is key. Yeah, so when we get into those talks, what will you be looking for? What What is needed in a trade deal to help us move more meat into Japan? Well, the, the key thing is, uh, you know, the inbound tariff levels uh, on beef today. Um, we are about a 12% disadvantage, but, but the implementation period goes over quite a few years for Australia. So each year that we go by, that, that, that difference increases. So, uh, um, you know, th- that would be... That would be one of the primary things that, that we're looking at. And, uh, and I know our, our industry is working closely, you know, with USTR and, and the folks in Washington on this, and, and they're well aware of the, these, uh, these, uh, the situation. We're talking with Dan Hallstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan, it uh, looks like tomorrow we'll get uh, some insights, some details on the U.S.-Mexico deal. What are you hoping to see there? 
Well, it's uh, we, we've it's very similar. You know, you're talking about uh, yeah, you got three big markets on on beef and pork that are driving a lot of this demand internationally, and that's Japan, Korea, and Mexico. And then you know, Canada's right there at number four or five, depending on the species. So. I think I think once again we we've had some good news. There's progress being made on Mexico. Uh, um, you know, hopefully Canada as well will get back to the table. Um, you know, th- th- these are some of our most reliable trading partners uh, in the beef, pork, and lamb sector too, for that matter. And uh, I, I think it's just essential that we uh, we get some progress made here. Uh, you know and we move forward because uh, the demand dynamics the supply and demand dynamics are 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 totally uh in our favor uh so if we can get a maintain that level playing field with our competitors out there and just concentrate on on developing the market uh, everything else will take care of itself overall how are our meat sales our exports going this year well you know there's a lot of uncertainty out there a lot of talk and despite all the rhetoric and despite all the talk, the dynamics, I think, are pretty good on the export front. Uh, you have per capita consumption, uh, you know, Latin America, Asia, et cetera, on both beef and pork. Um, you have demand increasing. You have, you know, you know the middle class is increasing. These things are all tied together. And what it, what it basically boils down to is that, Demand for imports is going to continue to grow. You know, our job uh, in the industry at USMEF in particular is to make sure that imported demand grows with U.S. And uh, uh, I, I'm very, uh, despite all the, the the talk and all the rhetoric, uh, I am very optimistic. Uh, you know, on a lot of fronts. You know, and not only these big markets that we're talking about today. You know, we have we have smaller markets that are emerging. Africa, the region of Africa. You know, places like Peru. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good things going on out there, and if we're allowed to compete, uh, I think the outcome will be very positive. Dan, right now we are kind of stuck on the farm bill, and it looks like it'll be November before we get uh, anything maybe really happening on it. Uh, in the meantime, there are some marketing programs that are impacted by any delay in the farm bill, right? Correct. Yeah, there's two key programs. Uh, FMD, the Foreign Market Development Program, which actually expires the end of this month. Um, and then you've got the, the MAP program, the Market Access Program, two very key programs uh, you know, that, that, uh, that provide a lot of support in the international marketplace, for not only for USMEF, but you know, a lot of other cooperators on the grain side and things like this as well. So, yeah, they're very important, uh, you know, part of the farm bill as far as we're concerned in the international demand arena. Now, will they end? Will the funding end uh, on September 30th here in just a few days when the farm bill expires? Just, uh, it will for the, uh, it it depends on what year you're on, but in our case, the foreign market development program, it will end or not be allocated until there is a farm bill. So that will happen uh, October 1st, I guess. Uh, so yeah, in that regard, it's uh, it's critical to try to get some progress as soon as possible. Uh, in our case, uh, the, the market access program uh, is through the end of the year, so 
if there's still no progress in December, then, then that becomes a, a bigger, a much bigger issue on the, on the MAP program as well. So we have a little bit of time on that one. But, but in general, um, yeah, the, the importance of these programs overall to agriculture, I just can't uh, emphasize it enough, is monumental. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, see some good progress in the next uh, uh, weeks and months. Dan, yesterday I talked with Kent Backus with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. We were talking about the European Union and, you know, talks going on there. And we weren't real optimistic about a breakthrough there for agriculture, given our history and the the past uh, uh, hurdles, uh, you know, issues like hormones and things like that. It it seems like a heavy lift to think we're going to get a big breakthrough there. How do you view the European Union and, and the possibilities of moving more meat into that market? Well, yeah, I think the EU is a very interesting market on beef. Um, you know, you, you hear, of course, this is a this is a, a story that's been going on for decades, uh, dating back, you know, into the '80s. And uh, I think the if you if you just look at the supply side and the demand side, there, there is there is genuine high demand for U.S. beef in Europe. Um, it's one of the on a per pound basis. It's one of the highest value markets we have in the world. Uh, there are restrictions, as you mentioned, that make it more expensive to export there. But but nevertheless, the uh, the, the demand is 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 real. Um, so yeah, there. It's a small market, but it's a market that's high value and has the capacity to expand. And uh, so in that regard, I think it's a very very important market, albeit a smaller one. Uh, yeah, you're right, though. That, you know, really nothing surprises you. You know, hope, we're, we're hopeful, or I should say cautiously optimistic, that some sort of deal can be reached because uh, if we had unfettered access in terms of uh, access to a duty-free quota, which we have access today, but we have a lot of competitors that are getting in on it as well. So the goal is to get a U.S.-only quota. Uh, we, we still out, hold out hope that that will happen. But, but it's obviously not happening quick enough. To Kent's point, we, we share the same concern that uh, until we see the deal done, we're, we're not going to count on it, I guess. A lot of moving parts. I guess there always are when it comes to trade. Some, uh, some of these things look more positive than others. Others, uh, like China, that's still a big challenge in the European Union. But uh, a lot happening right now with trade, very important to U.S. agriculture in general, the U.S. meat industry in particular. Dan, as always, good to talk with you. Thanks for the update. Yeah, I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Take care. Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about markets. Here we are into harvest. We've got all this trade news as well that the markets are looking at. Uh, we're going to talk with Jerry Goodell with the Price Futures Group. That's coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. 
We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. A Thursday surge in the dollar is hurting several commodities across the board. Cotton futures were down 1% earlier. Sugar, cocoa, frozen orange juice, sugar and coffee all slightly lower. The World Trade Organization lowered on Thursday its global trade growth forecast, citing increased trade tensions between large economies and heightened uncertainty. The Geneva-based trade body cut its estimate for this year by half a percentage point, still to a robust 3.9%. USDA reported a sale of more than 670,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to Mexico on Wednesday. Soybean futures on this Thursday trending a fraction to a penny higher. Bulls continued to test key resistance at the 851 and a quarter to 851 and a half zone. We have yet to close above that zone. December corn, the bulls taking a bit of a breather, were a fraction higher an hour into this Thursday session. On the upside, December corn sees 40-day major daily chart resistance at 369 to 369 and three quarters. That could prove to be a strong nearby hurdle. In the wheats, Chicago trending three to four cents lower, about the same range in Kansas City, but a fraction to a penny and a fraction higher in Minneapolis spring wheat. Livestock at the Merck in live cattle futures, we are trending 25 to 75 cents lower. Feeder cattle, 70 to 87 cents lower. Lean hog futures, $1.50 to $2.20 lower. The Dow up 65, crude oil up 34 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We're going to talk markets in this segment of the show with Jerry Goodell with the Price Futures Group. And Jerry, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, Here we are right into harvest now. And Mm -hmm. um, 
we've got all this trade news floating around. My question to you is, where's the positive? Give us some good news here for markets. <laughs> well, that, it's an interesting situation here. The last few weeks, we've actually found a little bit more of a uh, stability in these markets, a little bit from the point of view of the uh, uh, activity, from the point of view that we've really had about all the tariffs we think we're going to see uh, put out in this scenario. We've kind of, uh, but at the same time, the markets have kind of st- stabilized, and I think it's because of the fact that we've started this. Our competitors, of all people, decided that the price differential between the U.S. and their situation and the fact that the Chinese continue to be very aggressive buying in South America. We've had the Argentinians make indications that they're buying beans from the U.S. to replace the beans that they're selling to the Chinese. And then uh, recently saw some activity from uh, Canada buying some North Dakota beans. And then just yesterday, we had a very impressive uh, Mexican purchase of soybeans of 650,000 uh, tons. And then over the last week or so, there's been more and more indications that Brazil would be a similar situation as they go through the season as they move beans out. And those are all positive things to give us some stability in this bean market. Uh, but the, the big problem is we've got to also see what our crop size is going to be. And the harvest is still around here. It looks like the corn harvest good, not great, not a record probably. But still looking like a very big bean harvest. Oh, yeah, the bean harvest looks good. I don't know if we're going to make a huge jump from our 52 bushel level. I'm not looking for 54 out here, but I don't also see that there's any big adjustment downward uh, in the soybeans. The corn side of things, the 181, we could slip back towards 180 or a little bit below. That's primarily because I think some of the western corn belt areas uh, that we've already seen some problems in Minnesota or in Missouri, I should say, and in the Kansas. I'm still quite concerned about what kind of yields we're going to get out of northern Iowa and southern Minnesota that they had too much rain. You know, it's hard to say that too much rain can have an impact, but I think it might have in that part of the world. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out here in the next uh, couple weeks or so. Uh, You mentioned all that's going on with trade. It's kind of like things are shuffling, adjusting. Uh, We've got, you know, the situation with China, and that's kind of been a ripple effect, hasn't it? Oh, it does. It does. uh, Because there's so many different... There's only so many places you can source soybeans. At the same time, uh, if people move to one side of the thing, then that opens up an opportunity. The Europeans have been uh, stronger buyers from the U.S. Uh, Some of our Asian customers have maybe picked up their scenario this direction. Right now, it looks like that the southern hemisphere export capabilities are pretty well spoken for. And so if you're needing to get some soybeans on a worldwide basis, our doors are open. And price still matters, right, on the market. <laughs> definitely, definitely. The differential that's really at this point, very, the 25% tariff is pretty well ingested into our price differential versus South America. And that that's actually, in some cases, there's been a few uh, stray uh, shipments that's moved out of the U.S. that has ended up... Uh, at the Chinese door that I think has come because of the fact that the differential is already there. So shifting around and doing something else, you're really over there. I wonder what's going to happen post-trade dispute with China. Who knows how long this goes on, but what what's going to be different after? Let's say we come to finally some agreement at some point. What How's it going to be different after that than what it was going into this? That's quite a concern. Uh, from my point of view, I was also... 
remember what happened with embargoes we've had in the past uh, with the Russians and uh, and uh, that type of thing. And that question hung over our markets for so, so many years. And that really makes me nervous uh, from the point of view of uh, can we be the reliable uh, supplier that we really kind of finally wore off the concerns about that from the 90s all the way up until I think about 10 years ago, I think people finally come up to the idea that, yes, we are going to be here and the door is always open. Now, all of a sudden, it's it's not it's a strange situation. The tariff is not an embargo, but it's it's somehow or other we're getting to that point. I think it's interestingly enough, uh, we need to continue to build our markets around the world because I don't sense that China is going to be as strong a buyer, even if they do come back as a buyer as they were before, because they have a very long memory, and I sense that that doesn't mean they won't be a buyer because they're everyone's price sensitive, but at the same time, they're going to encourage other people. And right now, we've already heard that we're likely to see expanded production, expanded plantings in Brazil and Argentina going forward. And so we're going to have to be starting to shift back around. We're talking about ourselves in the U.S. going to more corn plantings. So things are going to start shifting around, and we might not have the same balance as we had in the past. We're talking with Jerry Goodell with the Price Futures Group. Jerry, I think that's that's something that gets overlooked. And I, I realize not everyone remembers the, the Russian grain embargo because it's been quite a few years ago. But as you say, that carries on. That that just doesn't go away when the embargo ends. And here we are all these years later still talking about it, and we can see the impact it's had long term. And we don't know exactly how this is going to play out with China, but it would seem to have similar uh, shelf life as far as impact and changes in marketing. Exactly. Uh, the interesting thing about it is is that that what happened is we all can remember and back to it was, it was Japan that decided to make the adjustment. It wasn't the Russians and the, the, the embargo of that. It had to do with the fact that the Japanese, and it really was because of the uh, uh, our tightness that we had in, in the early 70s as, as much as they do. But the, the, they went in and invested big time in Brazil and helped build that infrastructure down there. If China makes the same kind of push, and it might be in Brazil, I've heard, they've made a lot of investments in in. Africa, I don't say that that's going to be the quality, but they have. I've heard a lot of. They're in a position that they can support the same type of thing that Japan did 35, 40 years ago and moving this thing around, and that means less customers for American egg. Yeah, that grain embargo, you can look back down and see how it changed the landscape around the world, and this, this uh, Cold War, trade war, whatever you want to call it with China could do something similar. All right, we're talking with Jerry Goodell with the Price Futures Group. Jerry, you, you alluded to this, but it, it looks like early signals are that the market will want to buy back some corn acres next year. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, by all indications here that uh, twofold, we've had a, a shortage and weather problem in Brazil and Argentina this last year that's created less competition over the next six to eight months before their crop comes available. Uh, and that now... Uh, and then at the same time, you know, shifting around of of demand, uh, we can ship the corn. We're not shipping the beans. Our export facilities are a lot more competitive right now for corn shipping. So I think in reality of the thing is is that we're, we've still got a window of, of potential here uh, through the end of this year 
for some strength and sourcing corn, things like that. But we're going to also face expanded U.S. Uh, supplies in 2019. So I'm optimistic about where we can be from here, but I'm also very cautious about not anticipating four dollars and fifty cents. I think people have got to be really keen of utilizing the marketing opportunities, take advantage of this opportunity, and even start some new crop 2019 corn if it comes available in that close to $4 mark. I think that's an opportunity. I wouldn't say it's guaranteed. We just got to see how these yields are now. Yeah, uh, market analysts have been saying throughout this year there's a bullish scenario for corn. I guess we've, we've really not uh, described or been able to peg what does that mean price-wise? How bullish are you on a corn price? Well, that's the thing. Uh, 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 from a point of view of of this last year's carryover stock that we're going to get our final number on on Friday here, uh, it's going to be right around 2 billion bushels. Right now, we're going to be moving towards 1.7. We could even be less than that, depending on the size of this year's crop. And that that's a very positive scenario. Now, that, that means we can expand some acres, and hopefully we're not going to have uh, as strong a weather as we've had the last couple of years, so we can actually maybe keep make sure we don't end up bumping back up the 2.2 or something like that this coming year. But in general, I sense that we're in a situation where uh, the corn demand around the world is still going to be pretty solid uh, for the next six to eight months. Or maybe, in general, I think it's going to be on a longer-term basis. The world has, has gone to the U.S. style of Western feeding. The Chinese have gone there. That's part of the reason why they've been used to buying so many beans. They're talking about reducing it. I guess we're going to also see if that's the question. How much can they reduce it? They're talking about taking 10 million metric tons from their 93 down to 83 there's a lot of skeptics on that, and we'll see if that works. But in general, they're going to still not be a big, big U.S. buyer. African swine fever in China, how do you see that impacting their needs? It's 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 dampened it some. I guess the biggest problem is we just don't have a good feel as to what size is, this is. There's not a real way of vaccinating it or uh, or you know any type of preventive situation. You basically have to eradicate this, the the swine themselves and the interesting thing about it is is that the the, uh meat portion of this thing is how it's getting transferred around and that's i don't know that's garbage feeding i thought they had really went away from that themselves over there but like every place else there's always those things that pop up hopefully uh from our point of view they don't kill too many hogs always hard to get a real good clear picture of what's going on in China, even in this day of uh, technology and so much information that's out there. Jerry, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Oh, good to be with you. All right. Jerry Goodell with the Price Futures Group. All right. Coming up on our final segment, we'll continue our harvest updates as we uh, look around the country at uh, different states, different regions, and see how harvest is going. We know Missouri was hard hit this year with drought, especially northern Missouri, up around St. Joseph, Missouri. We'll check in with Gene Miller to see how Harvest is going there. That's coming up next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. 
If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed so if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep call now for prices and information and then decide when you see how little they cost discover craftmatic for less up to 50 percent less than today's leading memory foam brand call 1-800-318-7903 that's 1-800-318-7903 1-800-318-7903 call now i'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better how do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger, that lip stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk free, call 866 504 0276. That's 866 504 0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk free today. 866 504 0276. 866 504 0276. 
Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we continue our harvest reports. Uh, let's go back to Missouri, the St. Joseph, Missouri area. Gene Millard there. Gene, uh, we talked throughout the year about uh, the drought, uh, how tough it's been a year for growers, especially there in your part of Missouri. Um, so, Obviously, when you hear these reports, uh, harvest numbers coming in from around the country, you must just shake your head, right? <laughs> yeah, it makes you kind of disgusted, discouraged, or whatever. Uh, and it's just a case where uh, we're just in the wrong spot this year, and we're not blessed with the kind of moisture that they got. Sometimes some areas got surplus, but, you know, a surplus, you'll still grow something. But uh, when you have no rainfall for almost a 90-day period, it, it just really took everything down. Now you tell me done. you wrapped up yeah. corn, right? You wrapped up corn yeah. harvest last week? Yeah, corn harvest wrapped up last week because we started on August the 17th. Now, that's a good month ahead of normal. And even though we planted early, uh, as early as we could after the last snow on April the 15th, uh, the maturity just uh, was there uh, to a point, but it, it actually didn't really totally mature correctly. It just kind of died. And so standability was kind of an issue in a lot of fields. Uh, some varieties stood better than others. Just some soil types, uh, you know, lent itself to standability better than others. It just was very uneven. And that's kind of the story all the way. You know, I've talked to several neighbors and friends that are in a several county area around here in northwest Missouri. And it's about the same story every place because one place really good. And then you don't have to go very far until uh, there just uh, is hardly anything there. So average yields are probably half of last year. Some places worse than that. Uh, we were, I think, forced in the fact that we ended up probably just about half of what we uh, what we harvested last year. Now, you got some later rains that you were hoping would help your beans, and you're getting ready to go to bean harvest here soon. Uh, what are you expecting there? Well, it's kind of a mixed bag there, too. Uh, I think the later planted beans and the and the group fours, the, the longest series, uh, longest maturity for our zone, look uh, better by far, kind of matured normally, and, you know, turned that golden yellow across the entire field and dropping leaves, and, and there's a pretty good set of pods, uh, you know, even though they're short. But the early planted uh, beans that were not just ours but our neighbors we see, they just didn't mature properly. And there was brown stem rot, 
hit a lot of them. We had an agronomist out in Jackson Fields, and brown stem rot was very common. And uh, so the drought stress just kind of compounded all that. And th- those beans are just not—they're you know—they're just not dropping leaves normally. And so uh, it's going to be a mixed bag. Some areas you see some pretty decent uh, pod sets. Other areas, you know, pretty thin. So it's going to be one of those cases where you run the combine and you see what you get. But mm-hmm. it's uh, not anywhere near normal. How long before you'll start, you think? Well, I think we will probably be in the beans within a uh, week. Um, we don't normally get any bean harvest underway much until October. I did run up to uh, our ethanol plant, Craig, Missouri, yesterday up in Missouri River Bottom, and I know that one field of soybeans where they've been a combine in. But uh, this area, they just don't uh, mature, whether they're a group 3, 5, or whether they're a group 4, 0. Uh, it just takes about the first of October for day length to uh, fill that plant to mature. So we're going to be about on schedule as far as you know timing to get in for soybean harvest. It's just going to be kind of a mixed bag. Talking with Gene Miller, who farms in the St. Joe, Missouri area. Gene, uh, what about, have you had an, any enough rains here late summer to help pastures, to help ponds, creeks? Uh, what's that situation? Immensely help pasture, help grass. In fact, there was a, a mix of third, fourth cutting alfalfa uh, being put up last week. Uh, so that has been a real blessing, but there's not one drop has gone into a pond. And so they're still very low or dry, and uh, so water is going to be an issue. Hay is still going to be short uh, overall. Uh, there's a lot of poor quality stuff put up there just to salvage anything off of uh, some old CRP or highway right-of-ways or you name it. But uh, there was some, uh, you know, a little, little bit of forage produced, and, and the cows are out there in green grass right now, and I think the guys with cows are really happy to see a little green grass. We talked about this earlier. You went through it. Uh, a lot of cattle had to be sold that uh, you didn't want to. Well, yes. And, you know, my son, he's the operator of the cattle operation, and really he's he's the operator of our farm. I'm just kind of the sub. But, you know, we had to make a hard decision when everything was totally, totally dead uh, the 1st of August. And we sold half our cow herd, and so now we wish they had them back, but, you know, they're fall calvers. They're already putting calves on the ground right now. And the ones we save back are the younger end of the herd. And, you know, we just have to be back into a rebuilding process. A lot of water still being hauled, though? No, not as much as there was. Now, I'm sure there's still some uh, that has to be hauled. Uh, I think I mentioned to you once before they're running a pipeline uh, from a conservation lake near our farm, running it six and a half or seven miles over to the Cameron, Missouri Reservoir because that city water supply is out. And they've just not completed laying that seven miles of uh, 10-inch irrigation pipe. I think it's 10-inch. Anyway, anyway, they're going to start pumping water here soon to uh, try to put some reservoir uh, reserve back in, in that water supply for an urban area. So those conditions are still there because there's just been no runoff. All right, Gene. Well, thanks for the update. Uh, we'll check back in with you when you get into beans. Hopefully, you'll have some uh, surprisingly good uh, yield numbers. Yeah, maybe that yield monitor will be, be a little higher, right? Yeah, yeah, we're ready to be surprised. Yeah, we'll, we'll hope for good things it. for you. Okay, you take care, Gene. Thanks, thanks a lot. lot. 
been a real struggle for folks uh, in that northwestern Missouri area with the drought this year. And uh, you heard Gene say greatly reduced corn yields, and we'll see what happens with their bean yields. Maybe a little better news there with some of the later rains, some of the later planted beans uh, could be, uh, uh, you know, a little better than the, it looked like it might have been back during the, the heat and the drought of this summer for them. So we'll see. We'll continue with our harvest updates. In fact, uh, coming up tomorrow, we're going to get a harvest update for the state of Minnesota. Now, they've had a lot of rain up there. We'll talk with the president of the Minnesota Farm Bureau. Kevin Papp will be joining us tomorrow. Also tomorrow, former Secretary of Agriculture, now President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, Tom Vilsack, will join us tomorrow. We're going to talk trade, especially with China and NAFTA. That's coming up tomorrow. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Adams on agriculture.